At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a game day edition. Charlotte getting set to take on the Sacramento Kings, in my opinion, maybe the biggest game of the year, or maybe the most important one to win of the season so far. We're going to talk about that game, give you our preview, our players to watch, our statistic to watch as well. Also want to start talking about all-star voting because it's never too early. And the rules, the guidelines on how to vote were just released. And even though you can't do it yet, again, never too early to start talking about all-star voting. Finally, league leaders. Hornets have a couple of guys at or near the top of a couple of categories. Got us thinking, and we went down a rabbit hole and looked up all the times Charlotte players have ever led the league in a variety of categories. Which one is going to be the list that could get added to this season? Helping me on all these topics, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, Rob Longo. Rob Welcome back to the HHC. Let's start off with all-star voting. It's one of those topics where people think a lot of players are all-stars, and then when we say you only get 12 in a conference, all of a sudden it gets very difficult. It's like putting up your Mount Rushmore of whatever sport it is, and somehow people think there's 20. No, there are four. So you have to be selective in these things. That said, there is a good opportunity, I think, this year for the Hornets to get an all-star for a variety of reasons, which we'll get into momentarily. But leading off the topic, your thoughts on all-star voting, which will kick off December 25th, Christmas Day, you get a full day of basketball and you get an opportunity to start voting for your favorite NBA player and maybe even a Hornet or two. It's never too early to start the hypotheticals or the discussions about who's an all-star and who isn't. Seems like we've been talking about that kind of stuff since really the second week of the season. So finally we get to 
have our voices be heard and do our due diligence and do our civic duty and vote. And what better day to do it than Christmas Day, which is one of the meccas of days on the calendar for the NBA. So, you know, like you said, you get a full day of basketball, you get to start voting for your favorite players, and you hope to get a couple of extra guys wearing purple and teal into Cleveland this year. Here's some logistics for how to vote. There's a variety of ways to do it. It tips off on Saturday, December 25th also Christmas Day, 11 a.m. Eastern, and it wraps up on Saturday, January 22nd. So basically a month-long window in which you can vote, and there's a variety of ways you can do it. You can go to the NBA app, access the ballot, and vote through the NBA app. It's available on uh, all the major platforms, really. You can vote one full ballot per day, that's every 24 hours, and you pick two guards, three front court players for each conference. You can also go to NBA.com, fill out one ballot per day there, same rules apply, or via Twitter, tweet, retweet, reply with a hashtag of an NBA player's first and last name, that's hashtag say LaMelo Ball, or their Twitter handle, along with the hashtag NBA All-Star. Each tweet may include only one player's name and handle. Fans can vote for up to 10 unique players per day. Again, same timeline, December 25th through January 22nd. So, some history for you, Rob. Hornets have had several All-Stars. The most recent is, of course, Kemba Walker. He went three straight seasons. 2017 All-Star Game, 18 All-Star Game, 19 All-Star Game. Uh, once as a replacement, once as a coach's selection, once as an Eastern Conference All-Star fan vote selection. Other players who have gone representing the Queen City from the Bobcats era, Gerald Wallace went in as a coach's selection. Baron Davis made it in 2002. Two, he was an, a replacement pick. There was a fan vote selection in 2000 of Eddie Jones. Glenn Rice went three consecutive seasons, 96 through 98, all coaches selections. Larry Johnson went a couple of times representing Charlotte in 93 and 95. In 95, he was joined by Alonzo Mourning, who was also making his second appearance. I think one thing that makes this year different is the possibility that LaMelo Ball picks up the fan vote, which generally speaking, it doesn't happen this early in a player's career. You kind of have to build up your fan base and your following and just become like a league-wide favorite to the point that you are a LeBron, you are a Michael Jordan, you are you know, you know know one of these otherworldly talents that everyone universally recognizes and that's how you kind of monopolize the fan vote. It's very rare for a player this young who clearly has a lot of buzz around him, pardon the pun, to to dominate the fan vote to the extent that they can get in. But whether it's the fan vote or the coach's selection, I think LaMelo's candidacy is really favorable right now. Social media-wise, he's clearly off the charts compared to most NBA players, even superstars. And in terms of his statistics and his impact on winning, it is undeniable that he is in the class of all-star players. And it's just a matter of, does he get over the hump this quickly? Yeah, and to that point that you mentioned about the fan vote and that sort of thing, I think the only other younger person that you can really put it in that category is probably Zion Williamson. I mean, Zion was in one of those instances where everybody wanted to see him in the All-Star game, but LaMelo, I think, definitely is in that class as well. I mean, obviously, he had this following growing up being some sort of social media star, reality TV star, whatever you want to call it, but, you know, obviously there's been that following for years and years and years now about, you know, his development and that sort of thing, and the fact that his game has been able to go along with it makes complete sense. I mean, it's kind of the perfect storm in a sense where you're able 
to get this great big social media following, this pop culture following kind of, and then he's able to put out a really good product on the floor too. So, I mean, even if there was some sort of instance where LaMelo was not able to get the fan vote for whatever reason it is, you would obviously think he would be a coach's selection at this point as well, just based off of what he's been able to do, what he means to this team and the stats that he's been able to put up. I mean, obviously, you know, the last couple of games have not been the case because of health and safety protocols. But other than that, I mean, he's been solid all year long and he's just one of those guys that's going to keep climbing and climbing and climbing that NBA superstar ladder that we've seen the last couple of years. I mean, it started with LeBron, you've seen Giannis, you've seen Luka Doncic now, and now it's going to get maybe another one-name person up there like LaMelo. Here's the things I think need to happen to get LaMelo or perhaps Miles Bridges. Maybe it ends up being Gordon Hayward. Terry Rozier would be tough. He's missed a lot of games now, so that's just you know a hurdle he's got to overcome. Not impossible, but it'd be more difficult because he missed some games early in the season and now has had to sit some for health and safety protocols. For LaMelo Ball, you know, 20 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists, that clearly is right around All-Star worthy. He's just outside the top 20, I believe, in points per game. He's top 10 in assists. So I think he's got, you know, what it takes statistically to justify a selection. I think the the real thing that has to happen here, Charlotte needs to make a push again and be in the top six. I think at times, All-Star selections are a reward to teams. And it's not fair, really, but, you know, whenever the votes go in, whenever the teams are established, it's kind of a snapshot in time. So with things so congested right now in the Eastern Conference, roughly two to three games separating third place from 11th place, you have a good week here and Charlotte as voting wraps up might end up being in a top five position or if they have a bad week, which given the time frame we're looking at, at least when the voting starts, the Hornets will just be wrapping up a long Western Conference road trip. They could be on the bottom side of that area. The flip part of this is that when you get into the end of the voting window, it'll be January. And the Hornets will be home a lot. So Charlotte could be a hot team. LaMelo will undeniably be the engine of the offense if his numbers continue to progress. I think that's the slam dunk. So sitting here right now, getting ready for a game December 10th against the Sacramento Kings, I think LaMelo will make it because his statistics put him in the category of players who can go to the All-Star game. And I think at that point in time, the Hornets have a chance to be healthy and hot enough to be rising up the standings. And I don't see how the Hornets, as a potentially top six team in the Eastern Conference, don't get an all-star. Yeah, and if you look at the schedule, if you want to go that route, they have a couple of tough games at the beginning of January, like Phoenix, Milwaukee twice. they got to play Philly again. But then there's some other games in there, like Boston, who has been a little bit down this season. you got Orlando at home. you got OKC at home. So there's definitely some winnable games on the schedule. And it just seems like when it comes to these all-star votings, and you see it a lot, and especially in like college football with like the college football playoff and March Madness and all that stuff, it's kind of a, what have you done for me lately sort of thing. You know, what is the hottest team? What team is peaking right now? So like you said, if the Hornets are able to peak at the right time, if LaMelo is playing his best basketball at the right time, I think it's kind of a no-brainer that people are going to vote for him. There's going to be that final push to get him over the finish line a little bit, but you know, like you mentioned, you said it's going to be really tough for Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward. It's really, really, really going to be close for Miles Bridges, I think, just based off of the numbers that I was looking at earlier today. I mean, if you go back and look at some of the reserve guys that didn't win the fan vote that weren't voted in as starters last season, the one that's probably closest to Miles would probably be 
Zach Levine, you know, a high flyer. He's won the dunk contest before. Miles, if you put him in a dunk contest, I would imagine that he would be a strong favorite to win it. But last season at the All-Star break, Zach Levine was averaging 25.4 points per game, a little bit over five rebounds and almost four assists per game. When you look at Miles through the first 27 games of the season, he's averaging 20 points, seven rebounds and three assists. So pretty similar numbers. The scoring's a little bit down compared to Zach Levine, but it's it's going to be really, really close, I think, for Miles Bridges to get there. And I think it's really going to be difficult regardless for the Hornets to get two All-Stars to Cleveland just because of all the other talent in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think for Miles, uh, honestly, he he might have to you know really accelerate his scoring and get up to you know 24, 25 points per game to make it undeniable. I think if he's close to LaMelo, the fact that LaMelo has so much star power and is also top 10 in assists and top 10 in steals and all these other categories, I think that might push him slightly ahead. But it'd be a nice problem to have for the Hornets to have multiple people in the All-Star conversation. I think we are definitely looking at a situation where LaMelo is a candidate, Miles is a candidate, Gordon could be a candidate. It just kind of depends on where their points per game numbers fall and more importantly, I think, where the Hornets fall in the standings. If they end up in a top six position, I think there will be a Hornet in Cleveland for the All-Star game. If they're below it, I think they might have a, a opportunity to rest up for the second half of the season, which wouldn't be the end of the world either. Although we want to see him in the All-Star game. We just do. Next up, we're going to talk about league leaders. We'll talk about them next here on the Hornets Ivecast. I could have gotten my hearing aids anywhere, but going to a doctor who could find a set that fit my lifestyle was a good idea. Music sounds as clear now as when I listen to it on cassette tapes. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offers a wide variety of hearing aids. With affordable pricing and credit options, our patients can find hearing care that is right for them. Hear like you once did. Call 704-295-3000 to schedule an appointment. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Just wrapped up our conversation on all-star voting. A reminder, again, it's not open yet. It's not open for three weeks, but they put out the notification that it will be open on Christmas Day, so we decided to let you know how to do it, whether on the NBA app, NBA.com, or via Twitter. Encourage you to vote for your favorite NBA players, and if it's a Hornet or two, we won't mind that at all. Moving on to league leaders. The Hornets right now, Rob Longo have Cody Martin leading the NBA in three-point percentage. It kind of caught my eye. He had missed a couple of games and really is not a volume three-point shooter, so he just hadn't qualified statistically for the award, but uh, has had a couple of games here where he's played heavy minutes due to other players out for health and safety protocols. It's given him more looks from three. He's knocked down a few of them, and currently Having gone 27 to 54 from deep, he is number one in the NBA in three-point percentage in a, a top group that includes Mike Conley, Joe Harris of Brooklyn, Patty Mills. There's some some really good shooters out there, but right now Cody Martin is at the top of the heat. This is for three-point percentage. So it got me thinking, got us thinking. Really, I sent Rob down the rabbit hole, but uh, when's the last time a Charlotte player, Hornet or Bobcat, led the NBA in a variety of categories? So we looked it up for three-point percentage, field goal percentage, free throw percentage, points steals, rebounds, you name it, we looked it up. And quite frankly, there, there's some categories that Charlotte's done well in, but some that we have never seen a Charlotte leader in. For instance, field goal percentage never happened. Free throw percentage has not happened. Points, it has not happened. Rebounds, it has not happened. Assists, it has not happened. The ones it has, three-point percentage, 
Rob, you kind of looked this up before, but uh, Glenn Rice, I can't quiz you now because I had you look up all the stuff. Uh, Glenn Rice. Doesn't mean I won't remember it. 1996 uh, <laughs> 97%, 47% from three point range on the season. Minutes per game, Hornets have had two leaders. Anthony Mason, 96 97, when he was 30 years old, led the NBA in minutes at 43 per game. And then Larry Johnson, when he was a young pup, second season, 92 93, he led the NBA in minutes played at just over 40 a contest. And then Steals, couple of Hornets have led in that category as well. Eddie Jones, 99-2000 season, and Gerald Wallace in 05-06. So the question here for this segment, Rob Longo, which category is the one that a Hornet this year has the best chance of adding their name to the list. You get to go first. Well, I think just based off of the last couple of games and all of the health and safety protocols and consistency, it's probably going to be minutes by Miles Bridges. I think just the way that you know he's been utilized the last couple of games with everybody being out due to health and safety protocols, like I said, probably has the best shot. I mean, it would be awesome if Cody Martin could continue to shoot 50% from beyond the arc, but I don't know if that's likely just based off of volume and other players getting hot and that sort of thing but you know miles with the minutes played i think is probably the best bet to get the job done to get another league leader up there for charlotte this season i like the pick right now miles is chasing fred van vliet so there, there's a, a reason why i think there's a chance for him to get and a reason why i think it, it might be difficult the difficult part is you know fred van vliet currently leads by over a minute per game so you know we're already 25 or so games into the season uh, that means that Miles is essentially about 40 minutes behind total. So that's a, almost a game back, a full game's worth of minutes back of Fred Van Vliet at this time. And we're, you know, there's still time to make that up. But he's got a sizable gap between him and Fred Van Vliet. So, so long as Fred continues to play for Toronto and plays the normal minutes he has been, that's going to be difficult to overcome. I do think the fact that the Hornets are seen to be the better team, though, might at some point later on down the road, make Toronto think, well, we've invested a lot in Fred Van Vliet. This season at some point might become a lost one. Why are we playing one of our top guys so many minutes and risking injury? So uh, he could scale back later on down the line, whereas the Hornets presumably will be playing for something all the way down to the wire and therefore would want to play him more minutes. But Miles is not my pick for this one. My pick is actually LaMelo Ball, and it's for steals per game. And here's why. LaMelo is currently sixth in the NBA in steals at one point nine per game, but he's only .3 back of the number one spot, which fluctuates day to day. He's not that far off. The reason it will be tough, LaMelo actually has a tendency to kind of have like a, a big steals day or no steals day. He's kind of hot and cold in that regard. He's great at jumping passing lanes and he has really memorable defensive plays, but sometimes the looks just aren't there for him. And so he's got a lot of contests that he's played in where he just did not have a steal. Then he's got other games where he's got three or five per game. So obviously, if he's going to lead the league in that category, he's going to need a lot more of the latter than the former. Looking through his first 24 games, about a third of the time he has three or more, and about a third of the time he has one or less. So it's a hard stat for him to kind of build up that he's going to consistently get three per game because he typically doesn't pick people's pockets. He's more jumping passing lanes and picking off passes player to player. But regardless, I think LaMelo does have a shot at this one. He's going to need a few more big games along the way. Um, but I think that's the, the statistical league leader category the Hornets have the best look at. Well, I don't want Miles to lead the league in minutes. I think that would be bad news for the Hornets just because you want him to be 
as fresh as possible heading into hopefully a postseason run. But yeah, I mean, I was as you were saying that, I was trying to look up LaMelo's stats for steals because I was thinking in the back of my mind, I know that NBA on Twitter, they come out with statistical leaders and they make graphics on Twitter for every category. And I always remember LaMelo Ball being towards the top of it. And he was towards the top last year as well. Yeah, I mean, just his length and his ability to get in those passing lanes, like you mentioned, makes it very viable. It makes it very viable for sure. So, and again, it's not going to be total steals because he's missed these games due to health and safety protocols, but you know, that volume per average, what you're able to do on the defensive end of the floor. And I think that kind of going back to our first segment discussion about LaMelo being a all-star and and dishing out his offensive stats, that's a really good defensive statistic too, is, you you know, the fact that he's able to get it done on both ends of the floor, I think should just strengthen his all-star viability, if anything. So it would be nice to see LaMelo lead the league in steals. I mean, that would just kind of solidify his description of being a two-way player rather than just this offensive guy that can see passing lanes in the back of his head and getting the ball to so many different people as a facilitator. It's definitely possible. Going back to your, your thing on Miles, I, I wouldn't be terribly upset if Miles led the NBA in minutes this season because this is kind of the year to do it. He's he's super young. Miles Bridges is, what, 22, 23 years old? The year that Larry Johnson, for instance, led the NBA in minutes, he was 23 years old. So, you know, he's in, in his prime athletic peak. He's playing spectacular basketball. He's this Swiss Army knife, but between playing the three and the four and at times small ball five, that he is someone who fits with all lineups on the floor and is difficult to take off the, the hardwood the way he's playing. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if your pick is right, but I'm going with mine for those saying, hey, you started this segment saying Cody Martin's in first place for three-point percentage. What about Cody? I love Cody. I think he does have a shot at it. The reason I didn't pick him is to qualify to lead the league in three-point percentage. You have to make 82 in the season. Cody, in his career entering this year, had made 34. So not to say we we can't extrapolate the numbers and see this continue, but part of the reason Cody has surged into the leaderboard in the first place is that there's a lot of guys missing right now, which gives him more minutes, more shots, more opportunities. Some of that is going to be taken back when LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, and others return to the lineup. Um, But beyond that, you're asking a guy to essentially triple his three-point makes in one year and do it at the most accurate rate of anyone in the NBA. That's that's a tall task, but if anyone can do it, it's Cody Martin. All right, last segment up. It is a game day edition of the Hornets Hivecast. We've got Hornets taking on the Sacramento Kings. Is it the most important game of the season so far? I'll tell you why next, here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, it's time to get some new gear. The best selection of new and classic Hornets apparel is at the Hornets Fan Shop, now with new extended hours. Stop by Spectrum Center Wednesday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. to pick up the latest in jerseys, Jordans, and more. Or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 with just a click of a button at HornetsFanshop.com. An easy trip on the light rail, you'll be sure to find something for everyone at the Hornets Fan Shop. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC Game Day Edition. Rob Hornets hosting Sacramento tonight. And to me, this is the most important game so far this season for a couple of reasons. One, Hornets lost badly to Sacramento earlier this year. Uh, they, they have a need for some payback. This is a Kings team that, quite frankly, is not very good. They've already fired their coach. So to go 0-2 against them would be a bit of a problem. The other reason is you're at 
home and you're about to go on the road after tonight for seven of the final eight games of the 2021 calendar. So you're not going to have a whole lot more home opportunities. I understand that they're shorthanded as of this taping, still without all five guys in the health and safety protocols. But even shorthanded, they should have enough to beat Sacramento on their home floor, particularly with the Kings just beginning their road trip. They just came back from playing a home game two nights ago. So I think this is a winnable game. Full credit to Sacramento. They've been playing better since the coaching change. They've won three in a row entering this one. But I think this is an important game for the Hornets to get and one, quite frankly, they need and should have. Yeah, I couldn't really agree more. I mean, it's you know, it stops a skid. It's one more home game. It's one more home win before you head out and face several other Western Conference opponents, and you're on the road for two weeks, more or less. So I don't want to put must-win on the label right now because we're only 27 games into the season. But up until this point, it's pretty close to a must must win just based off all the things you said, you know, the way that they performed out on the West Coast against Sacramento, the way that the team has struggled the last couple of nights just because of the sheer fact that they don't have five rotational players. So, you know, the Hornets have been so close the last two nights against Philadelphia. And I don't think that, you know, Philadelphia is not where it was last year at all. But the fact of the matter is the Hornets have closed that gap to Philly. And I don't think that you can put the Sixers and the Kings on the same kind of level of superiority in the NBA. So with that said, I'm looking forward to the Hornets finally getting an opponent that can kind of come back down to earth a little bit that's not going to have a guy like Joel Embiid. And that's not to say that Sacramento doesn't have other scoring threats because they absolutely do, like with guys like Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox. But the fact of the matter is that this matchup is a lot more favorable for the Hornets just because of the way they go down the lineup, size by size, position by position. And I'm really looking forward to tease a little bit. I'm really looking forward to see what the young guys can do against a team like Sacramento and not more of a veteran-laden team like the Philadelphia 76ers. Time to pick our players and statistic to watch tonight. Rob, you're the guest. You get to go first. We do one at a time. You pick. Do you want to look at a stat first or a player to watch for the Hornets or the Kings? How do you feel about a statistic to start us off? Lead it off. All right. I'm going to go. This is going to be a different one. I'm going to go with pace. So the last two nights, the Hornets, when they've played the 76ers, that pace has been at a favorable rate compared to what the Sixers wanted to do. It's around 94-95. When the Hornets played the Kings out on the West Coast a couple of weeks ago, that pace was around 101-102. Now, both teams rank in the top 10 in pace. And like I mentioned, I think that's why this is a little bit more of a favorable matchup because both teams want to get out. They want to run a little bit more. And I think that favors the younger legs of the Hornets going up against another kind of a younger team in the Sacramento Kings as well. So I'm going to look and see how this game looks at pace-wise. You know, with that said... I know you've had it easy the last two nights calling play-by-play, so you might have to giddy up a little bit on some of those calls tonight. I wouldn't mind it at all. My stat to watch is a defensive one. It's fouls, particularly how many times you put the Kings on the free-throw line. There's a lot of statistics where you think in your mind, oh, if the, if the Hornets make this many threes, they'll probably win the game. And then you look a little closer, ah, that, that one actually doesn't come through, or, or certain percentages or whatnot. But one where there there is a, a bit of a difference is free-throw attempts for the opponent. When Charlotte allows the opponent to attempt 20 or more free throws, their record so far on the season is 5-10. and 10. So they are losing two out of every three games if the opponent 
attempts 20 or more free throws. Suffice it to say, you know what happens when they attempt less than 20 free throws in a game. Uh, Hornets have an overwhelmingly winning record of 9-3. and three. So I think that's the key here. Sacramento is not a particularly good shooting team. They do have some good drivers of the basketball and guys like Rashawn Holmes, um, but it's a team that sometimes it falls in love with the three-point shot and it's not always a great one for them. I think the Hornets cannot give up free points to Sacramento. There was a bit of an issue the last couple of games with the Hornets seeing a parade route to the free throw line for Philadelphia. Certainly there was some consternation from the Hornets side of things and how often Joel Embiid was able to parade to the line, particularly in the third quarter of the last game. Not to reopen too many wounds or pour salt in them or anything like that, but it was something that piqued our interest. But that said, you know, Sacramento's free throw attempts in the loss over on the West Coast, they were similar to the number that Philadelphia took in both of these last two games. So I think for Charlotte to get back on track, playing good defense is important, of course. Shooting a good percentage, getting back in the flow from three, that would be great. Certainly be wonderful to play at a higher pace or to get some more guys back. But ultimately, they have what they need to win. They just can't give up free points to the Sacramento team. So keep them off the line. If Sacramento attempts under 20 free throws, I think this is a win for the Hornets. Time for a player to watch. You want to go Hornets or Kings first? I'll go Kings. I'll go with Kings. I'll go with Rashawn Holmes. He was pretty held in check against the Orlando Magic back on Wednesday. He was the only starter to not score in double figures. He only had four points. He only ended up playing 10 minutes, so I don't know what was going on there, if it was a matchup issue, if he was dealing with some sort of injury. I haven't really taken a deep look into the injury report or anything like that, but you know, he's one of those guys that can hurt you. He's just a really big matchup issue at the five. De'Aaron Fox... You only get one. You only get one. No, I'm saying De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald, those guys are going to get their points. They're going to get their points. You're just going to kind of count that into effect. For Sean Holmes, he's going to be kind of that X factor. If they can get in the paint and cause some havoc, it might be a long night for the Hornets. You wouldn't even let me finish my thought. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rob. Well, you were, you were starting to name the guy I wanted to take, so I got worried there. I'm, I'm going with De'Aaron Fox for this one, and here's the reason why you say he's just going to get his numbers. That That's not always the case. Like, yes, he's popped for several 30-point games. He's had several also where he's, you know, shot the ball poorly and and struggled to get uh, upwards of 15 points in a game. And I think the big key here, again, it's what I talked about in the stat of the game. It's the free-throw line. When De'Aaron Fox is able to get to the free-throw line a lot, I'm talking make seven in a game, he's almost guaranteed to go for 20 maybe 30-plus points. If he struggles to get to the line, he's a guarantee not to get to 20 points. Here's a stat for you. In games in which De'Aaron Fox has only made two free throws, a maximum of two free throws, that's happened 10 times so far this season, he's scored more than 20 just once. So this is an elite score. He is not a particularly strong three-point shooter at this stage of his career. I don't I don't think I'm going too far out of school saying that. He's a brilliant player offensively. He's one of the fastest players in the NBA, but he's only shooting 20 from three. A big part of his game is being able to use his speed and change of pace to get you off balance and force you to foul him. And when that happens, he tends to put up big dates. He did that against Orlando with seven of eight from the free throw line, ended up with 33 points. The first matchup against the Hornets, even though he didn't shoot the ball well, he still ended up with 21 because... 
He shot seven free throws and he made them all. So I think for the Hornets, it's keeping De'Aaron Fox to being a normal player. And that's easier said than done because it was the same topic against Joel Embiid. If he's just a mid-range jump shooter, he's not going to hurt you. The reason the Hornets got hurt by Joel Embiid is because he attempted 19 free throws. I don't think De'Aaron Fox is going to get to that number, but you can't keep him anywhere near it. So the, the fewer free throws Fox attempts, the better. I completely agree with you on all those points. I just think that you know the way that De'Aaron Fox has been able to play the last couple of games, I mean, he ended up, I think, with what, 21 in the last meeting against the Hornets. I mean, everybody was scoring 20-plus points in that game as bad as we want to recall it. So I'll, I'll give you credit with that, but we're going into our Hornets player now, correct? Last but not least. Last but certainly not least. I'm going to go with James Booknight. He only played 11 minutes on Wednesday. He only finished with two points, but he got clamped down pretty good in Summer League by Davion Mitchell. So I want to see him get a shot at Davion again and see if he has a little bit of a longer memory and see what James Booknight can do on the stage that really matters now and not just Summer League. But I would love to see James get another shot at him and kind of right the ship there in that fact. I like it. I'm going to take Gordon Hayward for this one. Uh, He's obviously coming off a season high with the 31-point performance against Philadelphia. He's played heavy minutes in each of these last two games, but uh, the Hornets need to lean on this veteran right now. I do think this is the most important game of the season so far for Charlotte. It's one they very, very much need to win to stay above 500 before heading out on this road trip. They would fall to 500 with a loss in this one. So I'm looking for Gordon Hayward to have another repeat solid performance. He played well against Sacramento earlier this season. One of the few guys that did led the team in scoring that day with 25 points, and he only had one turnover in that game. Quite frankly, turnovers weren't the issue. It was the volume of wide-open looks that Sacramento was able to take and make in that game. But I'm looking for Gordon Hayward. I think he is a tough matchup on most nights, but particularly against the Sacramento team. Really, the only guy that comes to mind that can stand up to him is Harrison Barnes, and I think he might have the assignment at times of Miles Bridges. So I, I think this is one that Gordon Hayward can, again, lead this team, put it in a position to win the game. I'm looking at Gordon Hayward as my player to watch. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. A reminder, we will have our post-game reaction podcast for you tomorrow, looking back at tonight's contest against the Kings. And if you are so inclined, since there's not too many more opportunities left in 2021, why don't you come join us at the Hive? If you're within shouting distance, we'd love to see you at Spectrum Center. Go to Hornets.com for all your tickets. If you can't make it for this one, one more home game left in 2021 against the Houston Rockets just after Christmas, but a whole bunch of games coming up in 2022. Again, for all your ticket information, go to Hornets.com. For my producer and guest host today, Rob Longo and everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.